What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have a very special guest with us and an author as well. Um, We have Megan Stubbs with us, and Megan's going to talk to us today about sexuality, but in the context of being a single person. So Megan, thank you so much for coming and speaking with me. Would you like to introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you do, yeah, and for sure. thank you so much for having a me. little bit about the I'm book Dr. that we're going to discuss. And I'm a sexologist. That's the job you didn't see on career day. <laughs> so I've been most of my time now virtually on <laughs> campuses on topics ranging from safer sex practices all the way up to wild things like how to negotiate a threesome. <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty uh, wild times. <laughs> um, I'm also a new author of this new book, um, and I'm so pumped to share it with you because I feel like a lot of books don't center around single sexuality. And I was like, what a great way to shine a light on this. I am <laughs> so excited. You are talking to a serial single. So I love being single and I'm really excited to kind of talk to you about it. Um, so the book Playing Without a Partner, where did that come from? Like, how did you, how did you start this kind of conversation about like dating and sex so and happiness on like an individualist level friend and I was like hey do you have any topics you'd like a new author to cover and they're like well we'd like to make a single book and I was like go on because I'm super single <laughs> and I was like wouldn't it be fun to combine both my like professional knowledge with all of my anecdotal stories that I've amassed throughout the years into one cohesive book to both normalize being single and, you know, show that it can be celebrated is not a time to be like down and like, mm, I'm all alone. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And okay, what were some of the like challenges? Did you write the book during the pandemic? Because I feel like everybody is either serial single during this year or like in a long committed relationship so I feel like there's no in between anymore how was was the process writing (laughs) in addition to I mean I was still single so it wasn't like I don't know what it's like to be single anymore (laughs) but I was still single Uh, it was just challenging to be like where do you meet people and I would you know write like at the gym at the grocery store (laughs) at events and now it's like you gotta meet them online (laughs) you have to meet them you know through technology um Obviously, as things become more open, we can go back out into society and play with others. But, you know, it was just like, how do I write this book about being happy as a single person when we're dealing with a global pandemic? So I was able to learn some, you know, COVID facts and also (laughs) COVID considerations um, in the book, too. So it still is very timely, but it will be applicable to our post-pandemic times as well. That's awesome. And okay, so like for someone who's about to purchase the book, how how is it structured and like kind of yeah, what's so your the philosophy? Is kind of just talking throughout. about like what the single experience looks like. So um, misconceptions that people have, society have, um, people who are coupled have about single people, like, oh, you must be so alone. We'll hook you up with, you know, our coworker. And it's like, no, no, I'm good. Thanks. So it's normalizing the single experience, dispelling myths, and then it gets into uh, just how to cultivate and have a good life alone. So it does acknowledge like, yeah, you might miss out on touch. You might miss out on, you know, having that person in your corner, but it's really celebrating and building you up and empowering you to feel good about the single life you're leading. Because you can say, I'm single and miserable, but okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? You know, next Monday, next month. (laughs) So how can you live the best life you can right now? 
fully present as a single person. So then it goes on, talks about, you know, sexuality. Then it does talk about at the end, meeting people in the wild, having those, you know, awkward conversations when it comes to dating and feeling empowered about your sexual choices. So it really runs the gamut. So even if you are like a partnered person, there's a lot of good information there about just, you know, building yourself up and having self-esteem. That's, that's really awesome. I think that that's something that a lot of people feel like single people don't have um, is like, I don't know, some sort of like inherent high value of self. And like, once you have that high value of yourself, you'll find it in like another person. But what are some of the like stigmas or just like myths that couples kind of have yeah, that you're like in relation to like single folks or sad and you're not living out your air quotes fullest life or you know you're not with that person and that's like okay might be the case but it's not for everyone you know I think time spent on yourself is never wasted so the more you can cultivate those good feelings and know who you are as a person the better you better you are able to you know meet someone in the wild and be like I've done all this self-work now I'm prepared to go out in the wild and meet people so um I think sometimes when you're getting like wedding invitations to your friend's weddings and it's like, Megan, that's it. No plus one. <laughs> like we don't want some rando coming to our wedding. So just little things of like, oh, let's all go on a gift. And it's like, let's split it. And I'm like, but you guys are only paying half and I'm one person. We should be going thirdsies. <laughs> that's actually, I've never had that experience before. I mean, I, I'm also in a different point in my life. So like I'm 21. So nobody is really getting married yet. But I do see people that like think they're going to get married. And I'm like, oh, good luck. Uh, have fun. <laughs> but do you think that there's a lot of because I, I see this in movies a lot um, where there's like this alpha male and he's single his whole life or he's single until he's 50. Like we have the George Clooney and like nobody kind of perceived him as like this washed up old man, like who married like a woman who was 18 years younger than he was. And he was he was still like he was always hot. He was always sexual um, and he was always allowed to be single. Nobody was ever like, when is he? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure the tabloids did, but there wasn't as much pressure for him to settle down versus like a single 50 year old woman. How do you feel like the double standard is like presented? And do you talk yeah, about like, that I mean, in your I book for like female and non-binary comes folk? from, you know, the value of women, you know, women are in, obviously I don't feel like this, but women are in place you know, to serve men. They're, you know, at the behest of men's pleasure. Um, if you're too old, you're a spinster, or there's something wrong with you. Why, why has no one swiped you up yet? And it's like, because uh, I have high standards, you know, but it's never seen like that when it comes to men. It's just like, oh, he's a bachelor living out his best life. And it's like, oh, you mean that sad lady down the road who has all the dogs and goes to yoga by herself? And it's like, hey, that's me. <laughs> so I think society definitely still perpetuates that um, narrative. Uh, is that truthful? No, of course not. People can live happy, fulfilled lives, whatever gender you are as a single person. But I think society still has that stigma of like, oh, the lonely old lady, as opposed to like, oh, he's like a, you know, sexy hot bachelor man. Yeah, shift it. Now we have a sexy hot bachelorette. <laughs> so when we're looking at especially like older individuals or like people that are not conventionally in their like prime to marry, because I feel like that's just like for women, that's like after 35, it's like you're old and like that's yeah. not right um, or true. But 
how do those people kind of achieve happiness in the sense of like, I mean, I'm sure there's like a sense of contentment. Like if this is the life you chose, you kind of like fall into your own patterns, but how do you kind of disassociate yourself from like that, like social ideal of like finding that person and being in this like soul mate, whatever situation um, when like the majority of your friends and your family are kind of in that situation. I think you just have to take yourself out of the situation and say, even though I think or I thought this would be my life path, it isn't what it is right now. And ask yourself, am I happy doing what I'm doing now? And as long as you're content with it, that's okay. I mean, I still get the family pressure of my grandma. You know, she's like, when are you going to find a man? And I'm like, when there's a good one available, <laughs> like, you know, but it's, it's just so <laughs> deeply ingrained in culture and society of like, you know, the end game is like, be with someone, be with someone. And it's like, okay, I'm being with myself right now. Like, would you rather see me jump into some like quick relationship just to be like not single anymore? Like, don't you want me fully happy? So I think people are having more empowerment around not getting into relationships, just like they're getting more empowered about choosing their identities and saying, you know, before I didn't have the language or I didn't know this was a possibility. Now they're like, no, I want to stay single until I can have someone in my life that meets all these requirements. And that's great. I think the more people feel like empowered to make these decisions for themselves, the more they can articulate to their friend group and their families and say, hey, stop pressuring me. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I took a, I took a break off of sex for a year <laughs> and then the pandemic hit. So now it's been like a two year break, which like yeah. wasn't intentional, but I like told myself that like I knew exactly what I wanted and like I had I was like predisposition to like sleep with people who like didn't care about me and then that was like the foundation of the relationship and I was like no I want like a consensual like monogamous relationship um but like I obviously don't want it with like Joe Schmo yeah. on the road like there has to be some sort of like baseline of That's like respect I feel like I feel like too like I, I'm a straight woman straight guys do the least and if they can do the least they they do less Mm -hmm. than the least and it's just because there's this like because it's like we're not even told as straight women and I'm sure this goes into like a variety of different sexualities but like we're not like we don't really expect a lot and like we also haven't really been modeled like a lot of super healthy consensual respectful relationships like the divorce rate is like 40 50 percent at this point like half of us never saw it directly like in Mm -hmm. front of our faces so like I think our our understanding of like love and like how that's evolved is definitely like changing and do you think that that correlates to this like longer single spell or even just the decision to be single your whole life I think it definitely ties into it I mean it's I mean to key on what you said it's not modeled we don't see that and so obviously you know television and movies and shows are very pervasive in our society and not saying that that's like the bastion of education for relationships but it's it's what we're watching and consuming so if we don't see that it's like yeah how would I know what to do or what to expect um obviously through the same to podcasts like this and getting information and saying like, I can have boundaries and that's okay. I get to have my desires met and that's okay. I think the more people, especially women learn that they feel more empowered to say like, Hey, 
if I want to go have a bunch of casual one night stands, awesome. That's great. Amazing. Feel good about that. Or they can say, I'm not into that right now because I'm looking for a long-term closed monogamous relationship. That's great and okay too. I think we get into kind of a gray area when people don't feel comfortable disclosing what they're looking for. They kind of just kind of, you know, go along, say, yeah, whatever. Or they think hookups are going to turn into relationships. Not saying they can't, but if you go into it without explicitly saying like, hey, I'm into you. Like I'd be interested in dating or making this, you know, commitment with you. So I think the more we can get specific on the language and feel good about our choices, the more we can see or seek out the people who are looking for those same things. Absolutely. And when you said that, I kind of, I mean, my head jumped like a thousand places. I definitely think that this types of, this type of like communication needs to be mm-hmm. taught in schools, especially in like sex ed, like to communicate consent, what that looks like, what that looks like with both parties. But then I was thinking about, have you seen the movie Gone Girl? Yes. I was like, I read the book, but yeah. She, (laughs) there's a scene where she talks about like being a cool girl and she's like married to this husband who like, obviously like is like kind of a deadbeat. She wanted more from her life. They like both kind of played each other in the sense of they weren't up front with Mm -hmm. like their decisions. Anyways, it's a big thing and like it's a big mystery thing and I would recommend watching it. But she talks about being this cool girl, like the girl that like drinks beer and is a size two and eats pizza and watches football. And like she doesn't like any of these things, but she just does it to like maintain this like facade relationship that her and her husband have. And that's exactly what I was thinking about, because I think even to especially like young people, we have like when I first got into relationships, like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't know it was acceptable. And like, I didn't even know that like articulating boundaries or having expectations is like, was a thing, like, period. Like, I had no idea. I just thought that like, one day this man was going to read my mind and we were going to live happily ever after. That's not how anything works. (laughs) But I guess throughout your book, do you kind of talk about how singles can kind of figure out like, okay, what are their non-negotiables? What are their boundaries? And like, how do they come to fruition with, with that? Because I know some people are like very reserved, very shy, may not be able to, or may not by like quote unquote nature, um, feel comfortable doing this how do you kind of like get to that place um we definitely do talk about we me I definitely do talk about this in the book um uh, and also touching your point about like assimilating yourself to your partner so there's always gonna be compromise and things you'll discover when you're with your partner but when you start to just like I don't know chameleon yourself to be like I like beer I like sports I like monster trucks you know and you're like I don't like any of those things you know, there's obviously some give and take, but when you completely alienate yourself to assimilate yourself to be this perfect person for someone else, that's a super disservice to you. So get like comfortable with saying, I'm into this, this, and this, and talking about boundaries, maybe someone being a you know, tobacco smoker is a hard no for you. Get comfortable being upfront and be like, hey, if you're a tobacco user, I'm out. Nothing against you, but like, this isn't something I want in my life. Maybe something that's like on the fence negotiable is like, I like dogs. I could live with a cat. You know, that's like a not so hard limit for you. And something you're like, I don't care. You know, maybe you are 
um, a vegan and you don't care if your partner is a carnivore or something, you know, you have to figure out on a hierarchy, you know, what's important things to you. Obviously things like having kids, that's an important conversation to have. Obviously not on date number one. <laughs> and, I mean, you could, but that'd be pretty <laughs> aggressive to be like, I don't want kids. Do you want kids? <laughs> but just getting comfortable with having those conversations, use your friendships you already have and maybe just talk it out with them and just be like, Hey, pretend we're going to go on a date and like, you know, talk about the different points that are important to you and just gauge the reactions, have them play a character, make up an avatar of like, Oh, hunky dude likes to smoke. Um, but as a dog lover, Oh, can I nego- like, how do I feel about this? Can I negotiate around that? Like what, what does that look like? So just getting comfortable with those conversations. And do you think those non-negotiables like change over time oh, for sure I mean people's lives are always changing I mean we're still living under a pandemic and so maybe someone who's like oh I need a person who goes to the gym five times a week and now maybe you can't go to the gyms anymore you know <laughs> is that negotiable <laughs> maybe someone's like I only eat uh vegan food from whole foods and it's like well now the grocery stores are closed <laughs> like you know you, you just have to you know <laughs> go with the flow of things. So things can definitely change. Um, me, I love dogs. I could be open to a cat now because I had a friend who had a really cool cat and I was like, that's a cool cat. So now I could be a cat mom. <laughs> so things definitely do change. Um, I personally don't want children. Uh, I haven't wanted children since I was 16. So it's been pretty strong <laughs> and I don't anticipate that changing as I get older. So for someone who's like, like I'm in the dating, well, as much in the dating scene as I possibly can be during this pandemic with all the restrictions, but what specific things would you like suggest that I evaluate? Because I know I would want kids, but do I think that the men that I'm going to be dating within the next five to 10 years are going to be the man that I have my children with? Most likely not. Um, I mean, it's possible, but like, I, I doubt it. So like what specific things would you suggest that I look at when I'm evaluating if like a partner is Yeah, worthy? so I think you should look at both short-term and long-term goals. Short-term, um, you know, do they have a stable income or one that you're comfortable with? Um, do they share similar values as you? They don't have to, you know, go to yoga with you all the time or like you doing plain air painting or something, but do they have their own hobbies and a good group of friends? Um, And then long-term, like, do they plan on moving? Do you want to move in the next two years, five years? Um, What's their lifestyle like? Can you be compatible on that level? Uh, You know, what's their communication style like? Are they a good communicator? You know, red flags are a good thing because it shows you something. It's a sticking point where you're like, ooh, I got to investigate that. So don't ignore red flags. So definitely investigate them. Not all red flags are like, get out, run away kind of markers, but it's something for you to definitely dig deeper into. So if someone's like, oh yeah, all my exes are crazy. <laughs> let's, let's, That's me running for the door. I tell can't. Me more. Why, why do you say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, elaborate, sir, yeah. please. Thank you. Okay. How would you, what would you say to folks who like, because I know for me, I notice red flags maybe two hours after they happen. Like I'll think about the conversation and then I'm like, okay, this wasn't necessarily 
a selling point. I didn't really love that. Um, what would you say to someone who like can't catch them in the moment? And like, how do you kind of like pry into these red flags without like interrogating you know, them? It's, at least say hindsight's 2020. So it makes sense that you might've noticed things after the fact. Um, and I think with dating, it's you're doing a bunch of like trials. So you're going on different dates, having more conversations, getting to go deeper. So maybe the next time you're not like, oh, I remember last date when you said this, I thought about it, it really made me upset. So <laughs> let's you know, go into that. You know, bring it up in a casual <laughs> way and just you know, try to get some more clarity around that. Um, so that's why I encourage dating. I encourage, what does that look like? You having you know, phone conversations, you're actually going somewhere and talking and experiencing things together. The more you can put yourself in situations where you can communicate and get all these, you know, tough, quote unquote, tough topics out, the better you'll be able to make a decision for whether you not, whether or not you want this to move forward. So keep it in the back of your mind and then just bring it up next time on your next date. I mean, and you always have the right to change your mind. So you can say, hey, you know, our last few dates of or our last few weeks of dates were going great. Um, I'm just having a little bit of, you know, uncertainty about, you know, moving forward with this because of blank. Can we talk about this? You just, you can bring it up in a really, a lot of variety of ways. How do you feel? Because I, I know like early 2000s movies definitely depicted this of like not talking about politics or religion on the first date. How do you feel about that? Because I think my politics are pretty, like, I know that guys, like, guys now, if they're super, super, like, ultra conservative, they don't want to go out with the sex non-for-profit <laughs> founder. Like, they just don't want to be around me. They're, like, not down. They don't want it. And I'm honestly fine with that. Like, it vetoes a lot of weirdos yeah. out. But how do you feel about having... I guess religion is, like, a little bit different than politics. But for some people, they're, like, their values are pretty the same. So... What's your I thoughts think you on that? Go back and reference your hierarchy of, you know, importance. Um, is a political um, affiliation other than yours a deal breaker? If it is, then obviously you can't pursue this relationship. If it's more in the middle of the road of like we can have negotiations and, you know, respectfully look at each other's opinions and then still have a relationship, that's okay too. Or if you're just at the bottom, like you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. That's fine. Same with religion too. But you have to ask yourself first and foremost, am I okay with this? Am I open to having this kind of person in my life, knowing that they believe X, Y, and Z? Okay. Yeah. I used to think as a, like, as a young girl, like politics wasn't a big deal. It's a huge yeah. deal to me now. Like that's a big, like there's no evangelical Christians coming all up in this. Like I just, I can't, it's not happening. I won't date them. I probably won't communicate, but I guess when we're looking at singles and you talk a little bit about like exploring your sexuality or just even like navigating your sexuality, some folks don't really get an opportunity to do that until they're in their like early twenties earliest. So like, what are the steps or not necessarily the steps, but things you would recommend like looking at internally if you're like really your goal is to focus on yourself. Yeah, right I now. have some exercises in the book talking about like sensate focus and you know, really spending the single time to cultivate a sexual relationship with yourself. So 
you know, touching yourself, um, not for like orgasm end goal, but just for pleasure and discovering the sensuality that you hold in your body right now. Even if you're like on a weight loss journey, which is a whole separate topic, but (laughs) even if you're not happy with your body as it is now, you still can glean really great pleasure from your body. So I hope that that message comes across in the book because you don't have to seek out pleasure from other people. You can really have it within yourself. And so stemming from religion, a lot of people do have challenges with, um, finding pleasure in their body because there've been a lot of messages around shame. Don't touch this. We can't even name it, you know, or it's, you know, for the pleasure of a man, you know, you're there as a receptacle. (laughs) It's like, what about me? (laughs) So I do cover a bunch of that in the book. So I hope that makes people feel better about their bodies and learning that they don't have to seek out pleasure outside of themselves. And for like the non-sexual aspect of like singlehood, what would you recommend like people focus on? I'm like, the first thing coming to my mind is like therapy, but I'm like, that's a, that's a lifelong journey not a single journey. I'm single. You don't know what the future holds. Like you could be single for the next month, six months, year, forever. We don't know. So don't waste that time. Like if you want to get into taking a pottery class or you want to, you know, go solo travel, go do that. You're like beholden to no one. Like you can sprawl out on your bed by yourself. You can lay diagonally, like there's no rules. So you, I mean, this is a time of, for adventure. And so try all the things you want to try. Maybe take a cooking class, like just look at all the things you have the freedom and flexibility to do. Maybe you want to plan a spontaneous, you know, girls weekend somewhere. You can, because you don't have to ask someone, check in with someone. It's all you, you can go off and do whatever you want. So cultivate all those things you can do as a single person and you know see if something sparks with you and say that's gonna be my new hobby like now I'm in this I'm in a gardening I love gardening <laughs> and that's my thing and I'll still be in a gardening when I'm in a relationship so <laughs> win-win <laughs> that's awesome I know it's kind of hard it's hard to do that now would you recommend any it's hard to like pick up a hobby during this pandemic. Honestly, I'm like trying to think of things that I like to do that is like out of the ordinary. Is there anything you yeah, would recommend? I had a bunch of friends do like online calligraphy classes or they got into watercolor. They got into like knitting or they got into plant. I'm, I'm looking around like you can see my office, but I've got a bunch of plants in here. <laughs> um, I mean, now, I mean, I live in the North, so it's like frozen still, but you can start your seeds pretty soon. Um, just a bunch like candle making. There's a bunch of stuff you can do by yourself or just reading. I mean, I have all these books behind me that are sex books, but I have a bunch of like pleasure books that I'm like, it's they're dusty. Going I back those things to up. kind of like our singles guide for like, you know, playing without a partner. You spoke earlier a little bit about like lacking physical touch. And I know that that's like up there on my love language and not even my platonic friends are like, that's like their number five on their list. Like, nobody around me during this pandemic has wanted to just hold my hand and I feel it. I feel it a lot. So what would you recommend to folks who are like struggling with that sort of intimacy? Cause I know it's a part of human like connection and we do need to foster it, but we don't necessarily need yeah. to foster it with like a romantic relationship. So mm-hmm. what would be your tip? How can I get those serotonins released? Because nobody is touching me. <laughs> You tell your friends, no one's touching me and I need a hug. (laughs) 
So the thing with love languages, it's important to know how you give the love to the person in the language that they understand, but also how you receive. So tell your friends like, hey, thanks for those brownies you made me as a gift, but I'm gonna need a hug as well with those brownies. (laughs) And there's a study, I think, from University of North Carolina where they did the hug study of like, you know, you need at least 20 seconds of the hug to release the oxytocin to have those feel-good hormones. If no one is around you, you can always rely on pillows. So getting a body pillow, cuddling yourself, cuddling the body pillow. Um, again, with a pet, that's a really easy thing to, you know, grab hold on to and say, I love you as they try to squirm out of your arms. <laughs> but it's also beneficial for them too, because they get that same kind of bonding oxytocin release as well. And then obviously pandemic times is kind of sketchy because I don't know if they're working, but professional cuddlers are available for you to hire in a not creepy way. This is not some kind of like internet, like free hugs, sign up. Here's my Venmo. (laughs) These are actually like trained people who are platonic, just cuddlers, professional cuddlers. So in non-pandemic times, that could be an option. How do you become a professional cuddler? There's like courses and like programs you can sign up for and just become a professional like cuddler oh my gosh all your clothes your clothes the whole time there's nothing weird <laughs> no like fairy, a naked like, person just hug. shows up to your house and is yeah. like give me a hug like yeah who's here to cuddle? <laughs> oh my god that's awesome okay definitely good to know so for people that are like still like inherently struggling with their like single sexuality what are a few like takeaways that you would recommend um for them to like really look at and like figure out where the root of that problem or that just like discomfort around being single is if that makes sense yeah journaling is a theme throughout my book and so there's different prompts or like questions posed to the reader for them to think on and so first and foremost you get to be upset or sad or angry at you know being single I'm not saying like don't be mad just smile um you get to have those feelings you know there's nothing wrong with that I mean there's some days where I'm just like oh this sucks this is the worst but then I know that I know that those days won't be forever and so knowing that is half the battle so don't push down the feelings you know definitely feel the feelings um but also know that you know this isn't forever this could change again next week could change next month um, and if you're really struggling with like, I just wish I had a partner, I, I really want to be penetrated, <laughs> you know, ask yourself, where is that coming from? Am I feeling like a loss, like a failure to thrive? Because I'm seeing my friends around me all being penetrated. You're not seeing them being penetrated. But, you know, they're having like sex and stuff and you want to have sex, but you can't because you're alone. You know, there's tons of toys out there you can explore if that's the like root cause of that feeling. Um, If you're like, I just wish I, you know, had dual income so I could, you know, move out of my tiny apartment and get my dream house. Okay, well, you can, you know, maybe make a side hustle. So try to just like acknowledge where the like upsetting thing is and then try to find the root cause of like, what's that stemming from? You know, does that make sense? No, absolutely. So for people who are excited about your book and want to pick it up, can you give everyone the details on where to get it, what it's called, and yeah, all that great stuff? Yes, this is Playing Without a Partner, A Single's Guide to Sex, Dating, and Happiness. It'll be released in May wherever books are sold. So I know if you go on the simonschuster.com website, it's available there for purchase on things like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indiegogo, 
and everywhere. So it's, it'll be available in print uh, the 11th of May, I believe. Amazing. And so if people want to maybe ask you some more questions or want to connect with you, do you have any socials or a website you'd love to direct them to? Yeah, I do have a website. It's sexologistmegan.com. It's kind of just like a landing page of like, here's all the things I do. Um, but if you want to connect with me, I'm uh, at sexologistmegan on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm always posting photos of my dog <laughs> or articles I'm in or, I don't know, just random shots from my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Megan, for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Oh, I really appreciate it. Okay, cool. So... Yeah, thank you again. And if you want to listen to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast every Monday, make sure to subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Megan's information and details about her book will be up on our Instagram page at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex for more information. Thanks for listening.